Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we give you the national theater news at a local level and tell you why you should care about it. My name is Ryan. And my name is Cassie. And Cassie, I've made a mistake. I saw you thinking real hard over there a second ago, trying to figure out how to intro this episode. I was trying to figure out how to intro this episode, and we've got just like a million little things to cover. A whole bunch of stuff's happening, and we got to get to it all. So in preparing for that, I was Googling like a lot of these headlines so that I could have them pulled up. And one of the things I Googled was parade. But I just Googled the word parade. No further context. That's not going to help you very much. Nope. Uh, you know what the first result is? Do I want to know? You're going to find out real quick. It is not the musical. I believe that. First result is www.yourparade.com. Which is an underwear website. Interesting. Parade underwear. Your new favorite underwear. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Could be. Could be a sponsor. Could be. We can be bought. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where uh, <laughs> this is this is what you get. This is what we're here for. It's been, I, I don't want to say that it's been like a slow time in Broadway news leading up to the recording of this episode, because a lot of stuff is happening, but a lot of like very new stuff is happening. And so the actual like news of it hasn't necessarily trickled down to our level in a way that we can talk about it in depth. So we're going to give you rapid fire Broadway news. Rapid fire Broadway news is this new segment. That's something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Uh, we have a bunch of shows that have opened. They've started. They've begun. Uh, we'll see how long they last. One show that we do know is probably going to last and has already announced a cast recording of, which I'm very interested to find out more about because we know almost nothing, is Kimberly Akimbo, which we have touched on previously and will continue to talk about because apparently it's very unique and interesting. I got a review here that I've pulled up from Theater Mania by David Gordon. Uh, if there were to be a class on how to turn a very good musical into an excellent one, I would hope the instructors are David Lindsay Abair, Janine Tesori, and Jessica Stone. They're hilarious and heartbreaking. Kimberly Akimbo received widespread acclaim for its off-Broadway run last fall and received a shelf full of trophies. I would not have blamed them in the slightest for taking that production and transplanting it wholesale onto the stage on Broadway, but they dug in making tiny changes and large ones, and it is somehow even more magnificent. I'm really excited for this cast recording. For those who might not know, it's about 16-year-old Kim has an aging disorder um, that's rapidly bringing her short, short life to an untimely close, but she's determined to live the life she has left to the fullest and wants to road trip the East Coast from Six Flags to Disney World. The trouble is her dad, Buddy, played by Stephen Boyer, is a drunk, her pregnant mother, Patty, played by Ali Malzi, is a narcissist. And her con artist aunt, Deborah, played by Bonnie Billigan, wants to embroil her in a check-cashing scheme. And they go on a road trip, and uh, she's bucket listing. Wow, this is going to be sad and beautiful. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, this is going to be so good. Heart-wrenching. I'm so very excited for this. Other brand new things on Broadway are we've got the first production photos from K-pop which is performing in the Circle in the Square Theater. Ain't No Mo has opened. The Old Man in the Pool has opened. And Juliet has opened. 
there's a West End recording of or a cast recording for Anne Juliet. Uh, it's a bop. It's a delight. Uh, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's a good time. And if you didn't get a chance to see The Music Man and were sad that it was ending in early January, it's now ending in late January because they have extended for two weeks. Which makes no sense. No sense at all. None whatsoever. And as soon as they clear out, Back to the Future, the musical is moving into the Winter Garden. Which we are excited for. Yes. I'm so curious about that show. We've seen some stuff from when it was on the West End. But even then, it's strange to think of like the West End version of a show transferring to Broadway. And like the West End version was like the the pilot or the off-Broadway tryout. But it kind of feels like that. Which is strange for a musical. Because normally if you're going to do like an off-Broadway tryout or an out-of-town tryout to figure out what the show is. Like you're going to D.C. or Chicago or somewhere in Washington. But they kind of did like an out-of-town tryout in a different country true we'll see how it how it transfers um speaking of things that i really hope transfer to broadway eventually i know that the paper mill playhouse's production of hercules just announced its cast hercules hercules and i'm very excited i would love that to transfer and i want to see what they do with with adapting that to the stage i do have to hold up my hand here a little upset because the cast of the Hercules uh, musical at Paper Mill does include uh, James Monroe Iglehart, which is very sad because it means that the guys and dolls will not transfer. Look, Philippa Sue's on her way to Camelot, so there's a lot of reasons why guys and dolls isn't going to transfer. Right. We got the full Camelot cast too, right? We or do. at least the leads. Yeah, we've got the leads for the Camelot cast as well. Do we have a date or a theater? Um, nothing. Uh, yes. Hang on. I did see this. I know Back to the Future is like June, I think. Yeah, I had this pulled up. So it won't be in this year's Tonys, which is the main thing there. Camelot is moving into the Beaumont Theater, which is where okay. the old man in the pool is playing right now, which is a one-man play that I've heard really great things about. I uh, don't know anything about it, but I've heard good things about. That sounds like it would have to be a smaller theater. <laughs> Yeah, it does. And then they're going to put Camelot in it. Yep, in March. All right. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. And continuing to talk about Disney musical properties, uh, we got our first sure. photo of the Beauty and the Beast uh, live that's going to be done. Now, this is going to be similar to the Little Mermaid live that they did a couple of years ago where it's not like hairspray live or grease live where they're doing the stage musical it's going to be a hybrid in-person performances alongside the animated movie uh, but josh groban is singing the beast and i'm very excited for that josh groban singing evermore and that's all that really matters like is everything that, else is, gonna is be that good. confirmed though because what i looked at said that they didn't know if they were going to be singing music from the musical or from the live action movie. Or if it was just going to. Oh, shoot. But honestly, if I don't get Josh Groban singing either Evermore or if I can't love her, it will be a crime. And if I don't get Joshua Henry singing me as Gaston, yeah. I'm going to riot. Why would you put these people in these roles and not let them do and it? Not like, let them why do the would songs. you? Why would you make Josh Groban do Beauty and the Beast while he should be working on Sweeney Todd? 
forgive me, but he should be working on Sweeney Todd right now because that's a whole thing. When in the animated movie, the only thing the Beast sings is like one verse of something, something there. Yes. Like that's yes. just a, that's just a waste of Josh Groban at that point. So he's exactly. got to be he's got to be singing more. He's got to be they they got to be adding some stuff in. And that's a full full cast performing songs and probably some dialogue the way they did Little Mermaid. I hope they learn from Little Mermaid because they tried real hard and parts of it worked. Mhm. And then and parts of it didn't. And I was bummed. I was bummed because um they cast Graham Phillips as Prince Eric and I really like him. And then he didn't get to do very much because again, Prince Eric doesn't sing hardly at all right. in that show. And the way that they do these live quote unquote live shows, however you want it. Cause it's so, it's so weird. It's yeah. so very weird. I understand what they're doing. It, it's more akin to like, like if uh, if the local orchestra uh, does a play along with Star Wars or yeah. Jurassic Park or something like that, it's it's more akin to that. It's more like here's the movie and we're gonna sing some of the songs and you can watch some of the animated scenes. And the best part of that whole Little Mermaid thing was the very immersive set that they did. Mm-hmm. That was really cool, and I am uh, very excited to see the inside of the castle for Beauty and the Beast. For sure. I'm excited for this cast. It's a powerhouse cast. So we already talked about Josh Groban. R&B superstar H.E.R. is singing Belle. And then we've got Joshua Henry as Gaston, David Ellen Greer as Cogsworth, uh, Martin Short as Lumiere. <laughs> I'm so excited. Shania Twain's is Mrs. Potts. I'm less excited, but I will <laughs> reserve judgment. Um, and Rita Moreno is the narrator. So good. I mean, it's no Dave. It's no David Ogden Stiers, but can't have him. It's Rita Moreno. We'll accept it. Shania singing um, "Tale as Old as Time," which is it's Beauty and the Beast, but "Tale as Old as Time." Now, like that. Hopefully, that's that should be heart wrenching, mm-hmm. and I really hope it is. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. There's also an article on Playbill right now, um, talking with Benita Hamilton, who plays Shenzi on Broadway in The Lion King, one of the hyenas. And she's been playing this role for 17 years, Ryan. 17 years? Is that longer than Phantom lasted? Because <laughs> Phantom's go- Phantom has lost. It is stopping its run, in theory. It hasn't yet, but they're telling us it will. Lion King is celebrating 25 years, um, like in a couple days on Broadway. Yep. And she's yep. been playing this role for 17 of them. 17 years. Seven, can you imagine playing one role for 17 years? I can't. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, imagine doing one show for 17 years and you play like multiple different roles. You're on Broadway for three years and then you go tour as the lead for another three years and then you go back to Broadway and play the lead for a couple of years. Like, that sounds exhausting and I haven't even gotten to a decade in this hypothetical yet. Like, 17 years puppeting the same hyena. Yeah. That's it. That's amazing. Eight shows a week. Like, it's good amazing. for you. Good for you, Benita. You think that's a record? It might be. There's only show- so many shows that even have made it that long. Right. So it cannot be a very long list. <laughs> I was talking. Uh, so our friend Kelly and I, um, we took a road trip to 
Athens, Ohio this past weekend to see former student Bob Walters in a production of um, The Importance of Being Earnest. Okay. And uh, we, you know, had our, our usual listening to Broadway radio station on shuffle as we drove having discussions. Sure. Gotta do it. And at one point we were talking about somebody, I don't even remember who, and I said I think they were Fiero in Wicked for a little while. And Kelly's response was along the lines of, yeah, but wasn't everybody Fiero and Wicked for a little while at this point? <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> right. Right? It is not inaccurate. But nobody's been playing Fiero for 17 years. No, that's way too long. Way too long. But, like, more power to you if you can do that. Like, I can't. So, good for you. Uh, I've got two other bits of news here, I think. Uh, one is that there's another another show that has been uh, announced. Uh, it's going into the Music Box Theater, which I believe is where Dear Evan Hansen is closing. Mm-hmm. It's a revival of Bob Fosse's Dancing, which is a dance review. Previews are early March, opening night, March 19th. Which So this will technically be a revival because there's an original production in the late 70s. So we'll see how that goes. It's interesting it's strange timing, um, especially since the Michael Jackson show MJ is still running. Like, and Chicago's also still running. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so much room on Broadway. There's only so many theaters. It feels like a strange choice, but I guess we'll see. We'll see there's how it no, does. Yeah. There's no closing date set, so it's not like just a limited three weeks or whatever. So I guess we'll see. They're gonna see how it does. I'm always interested to like look at the terminology of what gets deemed a review and what get what gets deemed a revival and what gets deemed like a debut on Broadway because there are mm-hmm. shows that I would love to see on Broadway that exist but they never like made it all the way to Broadway so if somebody did take say Hunchback of Notre Dame and put it on Broadway because it never transferred from when it was in the paper mill playhouse like would that be considered a revival or would that be I don't know I don't well so Cause it's not a Broadway is, revival. It's never been on Broadway. It's not a Broadway revival, but it is a revival at Paper Mill, kind of. We'll see how much of the original Hercules is still there. But they almost had like it felt felt like they had to start over from zero with Hercules because it got skipped over mm-hmm. by Hunchback, and then Frozen jumped everybody. Yeah, because it was going to make a lot of money. I'm glad that Hercules will get its due here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which theater it ends up going into because True. Aladdin and Lion King are still running. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But I, that will be, I, that should be new. Like, that should be a debut on it gets to Broadway. It hasn't been on Broadway before. Yeah. So but. that's, I'm. I, the answer is out there, I'm sure. Like, this is not a new question. It's just one I don't know the answer to. So I do, uh, we have to bring this down for a second because we do have one uh, death to uh, report on, and some of you may be listening to this, and Cassie, too, doesn't know I'm going about to bring this up, but, and you may go, why are we talking about that person? And I'll tell you why in a second. Aaron Carter died. Aaron Carter did die. Yeah, he was, he passed away at the age of 34. He was found in his home. He's been in the public eye since he was, like, eight, and there's been a long, troubled history, and he, it was always very, very, very bad for him, um, but he was stupid talented, uh, I remember uh, him performing. He came to BGSU once uh, and performed uh, at the, I don't know if that was the Wolf Center or the old Anderson Arena, 
and then he did another concert like downtown at a bar for some he reason. He was at Howard's. Aaron yeah. Carter performed at Howard's in Bowling Green. And nobody knows why, but he did. It is the stuff of legend uh, in our little corner of the world. Um, but Aaron Carter has both off and on Broadway credits. I did see that. I didn't know beforehand, but he was in Susical when it was on Broadway. Yes. He was JoJo. He was JoJo on Broadway um, for quite a bit of for a bit of time. Um, uh, and apparently, and there's an interview with him on the Rosie O'Donnell show talking about it when he was a kid. He also performed uh, in The Fantastics off Broadway, as has everyone. Interesting. But, so he uh, technically that qualified him for Broadway, and we can talk about him. There's not a lot more to say than that. No. Uh, but there is. Uh, one show that we have avoided speaking about because uh, it is probably the biggest thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks. You missed a rapid fire. I've got one more rapid, rapid fire, fire on my note card. Uh, your rapid fire. And I was is, ready to transition this is yours. into parade. Ryan, Cassie, this is what could yours. be more important? What's more important than Ben Platt and the parade musical? The apparent Glee musical that's in the works. There's a Glee musical. Maybe. Kind of. Who knows? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. To be clear. Oh, my God. I'm to so be excited. clear. Ryan it's Murphy happening. has said that no, he happening. could see it happening. This is it's not happening. a confirmed project. It's happening. Years. It will happen eventually. Years ago, Ryan Murphy got the rights for Funny Girl <laughs> and said Leah Michelle was going to star. And it took a while. But that's happening. That is the present. There will be a Glee musical. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. I don't know it's what that be looks like. One. I'm terrified of what that looks like. It's got to be season one, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the casting call to go out, and for some somebody's going to have to describe Leah Michelle. They're going to have to find young Leah Michelle, and I'm so excited. Oh my god! It's going to be amazing. It's going to be something. That's for yeah. sure. This goes hand in hand with the uh, the tell all documentary that's apparently coming down the pipeline yeah, from I Discovery. Did see that. Like, man, it is a great time to be a Glee fan. It's amazing, and Leah's on Broadway, and uh, oh, I, it's great. I just, if time. it happens, I just need Jane Lynch to still be Sue Sylvester. So that brings up an interesting point, and that is that you know the question. Uh, so we're going to digress here for a second, but I think we can live in this space before we get back to Ben Platt's uh, very good parade. Um, you know the question that goes around Facebook or Twitter every couple of weeks or months of name a movie, one actor stays, everyone else is Muppets? Yes. In the Glee musical, Jane Lynch plays Sue Sylvester and everyone else is Muppets. Perfect. I I applaud this. It's the only way I will go see said Glee musical. I want to see the Muppet that has uh, Matthew Morrison's hair. The very, very gelled, slicked back hair. And then has to rap in it. And then I just want to watch Jane Lynch just dunk on this Muppet. Oh my god, constantly. what Muppet would this be? What might Muppet would be one. Will Schuster? Uh, you would make Kermit and Miss Piggy would have to be Finn and Rachel. Right. Because that's just how that works, right? And then you kind of go down the line and fill them in. So in reality, uh, Mr. Schuster would, in fact, be played by Sam the Eagle. 
So maybe Sam the Eagle just gets a wig. No, no, Sweetums. Sweetums is. Oh, that's very good <laughs> too. Schuster. Oh, that's very good too. No, you're right because then Sam the Eagle would do a vaguely racist take on playing uh, Principal Figgins. Okay. Vaguely racist, vaguely offensive. Hopefully, we've learned our lesson by now, Glee. Uh, they haven't. I can tell you right now, they haven't. I want this to happen. I almost want the Muppet version to happen more. <laughs> than the actual musical. Here's the problem. I would watch this so hard. There are not enough female Muppets. There are not enough female Muppets, which is such a problem that when Muppet Babies came back, they had to invent a new girl Muppet Baby. Yes. Uh, It was a penguin. She was delightful. But there are not enough for this show. Let's just take a step back. Let's give this show a meta layer and just have Miss Piggy play everybody. So, okay, hold on. Go with me here. If Miss Piggy has to play Rachel... The character of Rachel is full of herself enough that Miss Piggy, as Rachel, would play all the female roles. This is what I'm saying. This is absolutely what will happen. Yeah. This would make complete sense in the canon of Glee, and that's great. Also, Fozzie Bear plays the Darren Chris role. Okay. I can see that. Yep. I'm trying to figure out who Kurt is. Kurt is... Um, Gonzo? No, Gonzo would play Puck because Puck does all the crazy, stupid stuff. Okay. So... Maybe Rizzo plays Kurt. I don't no, know. No, Rolf is Kurt. Oh no, that no, 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 because there is. There, no, there's, there's the kid who plays the piano. There is a. He's not a kid. It's it's a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> there's a grown man who never speaks, like Rolf, who plays the piano, and that's all he does. I love that this was intended to be the last point in our rapid fire, and we've spent like. 10 minutes talking about Muppet Glee. Listen, Cassie, I'm good at many things in life, and this is one of them. This is high on my list. This is high on my list. I can't wait to finish recording and have Chase come down and be like, so what did you guys end up talking about? And me telling You'll never him, guess. Dude. You will never guess. <laughs> you will never come up with what derailed us for 10 minutes. Oh, wow. There's a transition here, and I'm going to transition with... That's enough about Glee. We can go rain on Ben Platt's parade. So how's this? How, how's that? That good? was bad. No? That was not good. Was- um, <laughs> but we're we're gonna just move forward. So yeah. So parade. Jason Robert Brown's parade just closed at the New York City Center. It was just a week long production. I think there were six performances, and this was a powerhouse cast that did this. Yes, it was. Um, Jason Robert Brown actually conducted um, the orchestra for it. But this was Ben Platt playing Leo Frank and Gaten Matarazzo was in it and just a bunch of other very, very talented people. If you're not familiar, Parade is a super depressing musical. Um, it's a very important musical. It's a very beautiful musical. But it is very depressing. Yes. Um, it is about the unfair trial of a uh, Jewish man in Georgia named Leo Frank, who was accused of murdering a teenage girl who worked in his factory. Um, and the whole trial was bogged down in anti-Semitism. Yes. And he was found guilty despite there not being any strong evidence, despite the fact that the chief witness changed his story several times. Um, but he was found guilty, sentenced to death, and his wife worked very hard 
to do everything she could to get the sentence changed. And eventually the sentence was changed because the appeal process was bogus and they wouldn't give him, give him an appeal. But eventually she did um, talk to the governor and they got this sentence commuted to life in prison at which point an angry mob broke into the prison, kidnapped Leo Frank and lynched him. It is again, super sad story. It is a real story. It really happened. Um, The musical is very powerful. Unfortunately, timely. Yep. Sure is. Mm -hmm. And, um, the clips that I have seen from this production are incredible. Hey, Ben Platt's real good at the singing. Ben Platt's real good at the singing. And I personally would love to see more clips from this show because I keep seeing the same two clips over and over again. I keep seeing Gaten Matarazzo singing his song, mm-hmm. which is great. And I keep seeing Ben and whoever played Lucille singing It's Not Over Yet, which again... Great song. Mm-hmm. Great song. But I'd, I'd, I'd like to see other things. I want to see I want to see All the Wasted Time. That's my favorite song from the show. Like, I want to see these two sing All the Wasted Time. So uh, I am not as familiar with Parade as you are, so I've been kind of looking it up as we go. Did you know Stephen Sondheim turned it down? I did. I did know that. Hal Prince came up with the idea for this. So Hal Prince wanted to – he's a big – was a big uh, Broadway producer. And he first approached um, Stephen Sondheim to write the music for this. And Stephen Sondheim said no. Sure did. And at that point, Hal Prince's daughter said, hey, there's a relatively new composer. And you should look into him and you should offer him this. And that was Jason Robert Brown. And Jason Robert Brown accepted it. This was in the late 90s. In the late 90s. and, And wrote this beautiful, beautiful score and i i think a lot about what a stephen sondheim version of parade would look like man i don't even like most of his stuff is sad anyway but give him this yeah i want to know what possessed him to say no like right well what other show i'm gonna look what other show was he writing in the late 90s in the late 90s what would he have been writing give me one second i'm gonna find this tell us more about this show like how uh, there's a is there a film of this i don't think so no, no, there's not. So Jason Robert Brown wrote the music initially, uh, and then he conducted this revival, right? He did. He conducted this revival. Um, one of my favorite pieces of like advertising for this revival was they did a, a preview on one of the morning shows, mm-hmm. and he played for it. He played the piano for it. Without music, by the way. Like, he composed this show 20 years ago almost. Right. And it's got a lot of music in it. It is a long show with a lot of singing. Yes, yes. And he just sits down at the piano and just plays from memory. Okay. Cool, great. Good job. Because, like, he wrote it, I guess. But he, uh, he played the wrong chord at the very end. Like, the big button chord, he played the wrong uh-huh. one. He hit some wrong notes. And he uh, has a TikTok now, apparently. Of course he does. And the first the first I knew about him having a TikTok was seeing on my For You page a TikTok of him sitting at the piano going, uh, consider this my correction. I played the wrong chord and I want to uh, submit a correction. And then he just plays one chord. He's like, that's, that's, that's the right chord. That's the correct chord. There it is. Done. 
And yeah, as a perfectionist piano player, when I do sit down, I understand that impulse. Like, I need to prove to you that I, I can play the right chord. Sure, that makes sense. But yeah, so he, he conducted it. Ben Platt, from all accounts, was just absolutely stunning in this role. That seems right, yeah. The whole cast was absolutely stunning. Just a very powerful production. So he did, so I'm looking at Sondheim stuff now. He's got uh, Wise Guys happened in the late 90s. Uh, the Birdcage happened in 96. Uh, Getting Away with Murder, which is a play wrote in 96. Uh, Gypsy was 93. Assassins was 90. Um, but then the Sweeney Todd film was until 07. Passion was 94. Roadshow was 2008. So I don't know why you said no, Stephen. There's there's no good there's reason no good for reason. No. You know what? Honestly, though, like as much as I'm interested in what a Sondheim version of Parade would sound like, I'm not sorry that Jason Robert Brown ended up doing this. Turned out okay. Because it kind of put him on the map. Yeah, this was his first one, right? Or his first big one? Uh, his first big one, yeah. Songs for a New World was maybe out before this. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know his timeline that well. So I do want to go back real quick to um, other cast of the parade because we didn't name her. Michaela Diamond. Thank you. Played, plays the wife in, or played because it's not transferring uh, as far as we're aware. Oh, I'm so mad about As far that. as we're aware, so it could still happen. That. I don't think we know what Ben Platt is doing next, but... We'll see. Her name is Michaela Diamond. She made her professional debut in the musical television special of Jesus Christ Superstar. Horrible show. Oh, we're, we're going to talk about that because I actually kind of <laughs> like some of it. Uh, she was the she was also the understudy for Mary Magdalene for that. So she was Sarah Borelli's right. under, uh, understudy. Uh, and then she originated the role of Babe, which is the youngest version of Cher in The Cher Show, 2018. Yeah, she did. went from the world premiere of a musical entitled Row, um, inspired by the book A Pearl in the Storm by Tori Murden McClure. I don't know what this is. Follows an individual who aims to be the first woman to row solo across the Atlantic. Well, if that's not a musical, I don't know what is. Uh, it's been great to see some of the clips from it. Uh, hopefully, maybe it moves on. Maybe it transfers. I don't know if there's any more open theaters right now. But it was also great to see... Uh, ben Platt get to just really play something that really fit into the wheelhouse of how old he was because I'm very tired of watching Ben Platt try to be 17. Yeah. Listen, I admire a lot of things about Ben Platt. He is a very talented vocalist. He's a talented performer, but I have thoughts and opinions. I have thoughts and opinions on the fact that he ever played Dear Evan Hansen. But that has nothing to do with him. That has to do with the fact that even when he started that role, he was 25 playing a 17-year-old. This is one of my soapboxes. If you are going to write shows about teenagers, cast teenagers to play teenagers. It's not difficult. Stop casting adults in roles that are meant to be children. This is a problem with Broadway, this is a problem with TV, this is a problem with movies. All over the place, constantly, and has it been for a very, very long time. crazy. And I get it. People are like, well, it's because of labor laws. I know. I know why people do it. Yeah. I understand why we cast adults in roles that are supposed to be played by children. I understand that it's because of labor laws and that it's more expensive to have children. But... But... 
if you care enough to tell those stories, for me, and this may be a slightly radical position, but for me, it's an issue. It's an own voices issue. Okay. Explain. So the own voices movement, both in like performative things and also in like writing, is basically saying that the voices of these stories should be the ones telling these stories. Mm-hmm. And so by casting 25-year-olds to play roles that are intended to be 16 or 17 years old, you're taking the opportunity away from a 17 or 18-year-old person to tell that story sure. that is inherent to who they are. And I think the other like unintentional side effect of this is that it contributes to our societal tendency to force kids to grow up too quickly because we we look at television screens and we look at the stage and we see this 25 year old person playing what's supposed to be a 17 year old and then we look at actual 17 year olds and we're like grow up you're not what a 17 year old should be right I think a pretty good example of this, I mean, we can talk about Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen, and it wasn't just him. Like, the other people in that cast, they were not quite as old, but they weren't 16, 17, right? I think another pretty good example of this would be Grease, the original movie. Oh, my God. Grease Live. And then Grease Live. Aaron Tveit. Yeah. Aaron Tveit. I love Aaron Tveit. And he was so good. He was, but he was 33. Yeah, he was not 18. So the the original cast, John Travolta... You want to take any guesses? How old was John Travolta when Grease came out? He was in his 30s, I'm pretty sure. You're going to be surprised then. He was 24. Oh, 24. Okay. How about Olivia Newton-John? How old was Olivia Newton-John? <sighs> Grease came young. out in 1978. This is another... Ryan has given me another pop quiz without any warning, and it's rude. I, I think she was younger than John Travolta. Uh, So Olivia Newton-John, rest in peace, we lost her this year, Um, was 30. Okay, never mind. She was older. She was 30. And then oh, also okay. Stock, Stockard Channing as Rizzo. Oh. Yeah, that was, was not a teenager. 34. Yeah. And this is like held up as this is like a movie about teenagers and this is high school and this is. It does a disservice to young people because even though like, okay, I understand they're supposed to be in high school, but I'm watching a 34 year old woman sing the song that Rizzo sings and make the decisions that Rizzo is making. And part of my brain knows that that's 34-year-old woman. And so I am so less likely to excuse – I'll use Dear Evan Hansen as a better example of this. If you were watching an actual, literal 16-year-old do mm-hmm. the things that Evan does in that show, I think that we would be much more willing to be understanding of the actions, mm-hmm. not necessarily to condone them. But to understand that this is just a kid who gets caught up in this situation and doesn't have the tools to do the right thing. Because kids make mistakes, right? Kids are still learning how to be people. That's the whole point. But because I'm sitting there and I'm watching a 30-year-old gaslight these grieving parents and his entire community, I go... I, I have no sympathy for it. I have no compassion for it because there's a part of my brain that says that's an adult. That's a full grown adult who knows what he's doing, even though he's supposed to be a kid who's in over his head. 
a full-grown adult who knows what they're doing, but then it's also a different set of life experiences. Like if you are 25, you have experienced way more things than a 17-year-old should have at that point. And you, it's, it's hard to remember what it's like at that point to go back and be 17 or be, you know, uh, less jaded or all of these things. Like y- you could be the greatest actor in the world, but there's a, a sense of genuine genuinity. I don't, that's, uh, there's a genuine sense of honesty and truth to that, that you can't replicate which I think is why the first High School Musical movie we hold up and seems to work, and people keep pointing back to it because they weren't all they weren't all eighteen, but like Zac Efron was eighteen, Vanessa Hudgens was eighteen, you know, uh, a couple of the other ones were older, but you know, Corbin Blue was seventeen. Like they they were high schoolers. They looked it. They sounded like it for the yeah. most part, and then they had to make a couple more, and then they weren't seventeen anymore, and it didn't quite work. I give that a little bit of a pass. Like, I'm getting to that point with Stranger Things right now on Netflix, where, like, we're heading into the doing a time jump for the last season. So these kids are supposed to be, like, seniors in high school. And at this point, all of the kids in Stranger Things are going to be in their early 20s. This, though, I'm willing to overlook and forgive because when they started Stranger Things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the actors were the same age as the characters. Yes. But... TV moves slower than real life. Right. I have the same thought about Harry Potter. Exactly. Same thought. When we started, the kids were the age of the kids. Yep. The only age casting Harry Potter beef I have is honestly with the adults because they cast all of the adults way too old. Like sure, yeah. Harry Harry sees his parents in the mirror of Erised and you're like looking at a, a very nice like 40-year-old couple. And I think we lose the impact and reality of the fact that James and Lily were 21 when yes. they died. Yeah. I want to see 21-year-old babies in that Mira Vera said whenever they remake this. Right. And the same thing with Alan Rickman. Don't get me wrong. Alan Rickman was a perfect Snape, and I loved him. But Alan Rickman was in his 60s, and Snape was supposed to be 33. Yeah, it's very different when the age <laughs> isn't correct. And you can fudge it a little bit the older the character is supposed to be. But, yeah, it's really hard to fudge 21 or 17. Like, even with all the magic of TV and everything, like, trying well, your best to do Well, and especially because we are now used to seeing 25-year-olds play 16-year-olds. Yeah, and it's not good. It's not great all no, the way around. No, so... As a youth theater advocate, like, this is one of my big things. I want to see roles be cast in an age-appropriate manner. And I think we we need to get to a place where we are more stringent about aging out of roles. We'll probably talk another time about the, the, the finances behind Dear Evan Hansen and uh, the producers behind Dear Evan Hansen, mm-hmm. the stage <laughs> version and the movie. And then Ben Platt played that role for for years before it even got to Broadway, uh, and then played on Broadway for a couple years. Like he he was stuck in this for years, and at some point you got to give it up. Yeah, I understand having that personal like love and and deep rooted attachment to this character when you have been involved in their creation from the beginning when you were far closer to the age of the character, because Ben Platt would have been like twenty one, twenty two when he started developing. Mm-hmm. this character and then 25 when it was on Broadway. So I understand like wanting to bring that journey full circle, but you also as a performer have to know when to take a step back and say, this isn't for me to do anymore. 
I think that's one of the reasons why Andrew Barth Feldman's Evan Hansen hits so differently than anybody else's is yeah. because when he was cast in that role, he was 17. Yeah, it just felt different. The whole show it felt different. It lands as soon different. As he did it. it hits different. And that's important. And that's an important thing to keep in mind and consider when you are choosing to tell stories about high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Let high schoolers tell their own stories. But then I put myself in Ben's shoes. Ben, I'm going to call him by his first name because, you know, we're old friends. Uh, it's uh, putting myself in his shoes and then you go, we have worked for years to do this thing. It's also like, you know, his job, right? And how he makes mm-hmm. his living. And then also you're very aware with that music that you're going to get some Tony buzz. It's a very interesting gray area of, you know, when do we tell the right story with the right people? But also, how do we make money? And and it's Broadway, so the answer is going to be the money part, right? Not the truth yeah. to the art, but the money. So hopefully, with the year of enhancing closing, we're going to get to see some actual high school productions with some actual high schoolers doing it. And hopefully, they're not terrible. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to see that. And I'm excited to see Ben Platt evolve. Yes, and he got to do Parade. And he got to do Parade and... and the performance clips that I have seen are phenomenal. I, I want to be very clear. I have no hatred toward Ben Platt. I admire no, a lot He's about Ben Platt. very, very, he is very a good. very talented performer, and he cares a lot about his characters, and he cares about the stories that he's telling. And yeah. I think that there is great value in that. I yep. think him doing the movie for Dear Evan Hansen was a big misstep. Yes, and I think that he by, by not just him, by all by involved. not just him, by a lot of people involved, involved in that decision making. He could have taken his name out of it, and he didn't. But everybody else yeah. just kind of expected that he was going to do it, and it shouldn't it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But yeah, I admire him a lot. I'm excited to watch his career evolve and watch him grow into roles that he is now better suited for. So because he's doing these other roles, like he got to do parade and stuff. Um, I know him initially from Pitch Perfect is how I uh, was first exposed to Ben Platt. And then I found out he was a Broadway kid. So that was great. But he gets to do all these new shows. He gets to do all these new fun things. He's put out pop albums. And now he's done Parade, which was, as we've, say, uh, as we've stated, by all accounts, an incredible show. And I think we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we're going to get a firsthand account of that show. Because I'm pretty sure the ghost-like ghost, Paris, I think Paris got to go to the show. Oh, Paris, did you get to go see it? I'm jealous of the ghost like ghosts now. Right? Uh, apparently, if you're a ghost, you get into theaters for free. Well, that does make sense. It does make a lot of sense. I think what happened was um, whatever ghost was in that theater needed a day or two off. Uh, and Paris, As ghosts Paris, do. As the ghosts do, right? You got to go haunt somewhere else for a change of pace. Uh, and Paris uh, got uh, got the phone call and got to go spend a couple days uh, with Jason Robert Brown and Ben Platt and Parade. Wow. Good for the ghost-like ghosts. Good job, Paris. Great work there. Uh, Expecting a full report as soon as they get back. Ghosts do not travel quickly, and New York is quite far. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) We didn't touch a lot this episode on the theater that you and I are doing. I know that you are deep into rehearsals for Newsies. I'm gearing up for auditions for Adam's Family, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that more the next time we chat. Oh, absolutely. I have I haven't even finished blocking this show yet. Um, 
but I did uh, have we did have our first choreography rehearsal, and our choreographer is Tim, friend of the show. He did start the first choreography rehearsal, teaching thirty middle schoolers the jump. Good for him. And it went about as well as you are thinking. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. There's a I reason know middle why schoolers. It's the first thing they learned. They were very confident, and then he did it and showed them what it was supposed to look like, and they were like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, we could totally do that. And then they all tried for like 45 minutes, and we're still working on it. Well, see, but that means that from here on out, everything else will seem easy, right? That's the hope, right? Like, you teach the hardest thing first, and then everything else is like a piece of cake. Exactly. And that's why the first two things we're doing are the jump and then we have to work very, very hard on Watch What Happens because that might actually be the hardest show, hardest song in the show. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because you got to sing it and you got to act the crap out of that. Yep. And so we will definitely be talking about that more as we go. Well, Ryan, you and I thought we weren't going to have anything to talk about today and we've been chatting for almost an hour. We're really good at this. A decent chunk of that will make it into the episode. More than likely, yes. I'm going to have to chop and screw a little bit, but we'll see. A huge thanks to everyone over on the Patreon for Ghostlight Media, our network without whom this show and other shows in the network would not exist. If you like what you hear, you like the other shows in the network, throw us a couple of bucks. It's great. And we have a Discord where we will uh, break some theater news a little bit ahead of time and also uh, go on rants that may or may not make it into the show at a later date. It's a good time. You can find us over on Twitter at By the Ghostlight Pod. And uh, check out the other shows on the network. Shows like uh, Another Path, which I am on, which we are have uh, we have just ramped up our new season. So it's a good time to get on board there. Cassie, do you have anything you need the people to know about? Nothing terribly specific, no. Well, that's all for today. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.